Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to tell you something right now. I am absolutely positively riled, okay? I'm riled up, okay? Capital P at the end. But you know what? Let me just let me just put something on that. I have learned to appreciate the routeness thereof. And let me tell you why. I don't know if it's my wiring or if it's just God's little nudge to be able to get me to produce some really good conversational pieces. But I almost always know that at the end of me being stirred up in my spirit, there's a, a lesson in the conversational piece at large that I need to share. And so I've learned to just, you know what, ebb and flow with it, okay? Yeah, there's some emotional things going on and alerting you in the inside. Yes, your deodorant is getting ready to just be done with you. But more than that, Wow, what you're getting ready to get out of this, the gem that is getting ready to produce, the pearl that's getting ready to be produced from this sand is it priceless almost. Somebody go hold you. I actually was doing laundry. Be completely honest, I was doing laundry and I told myself, I'm going to go ahead and pick up my phone after this laundry. But guess what? Not even 2.5 seconds for putting in the good detergent. I was like, I got to get to the phone to talk to you. So this is what we're doing. Let me explain something to you. I wrote a story about it. Here we go. Uh, Riled up today because I was reflecting on some information that I was given during this past week. More than certain and not just for me you as well so I'm gonna go ahead yep I'm, I'm tagging you into this particular wrestling match you see things that you are supposed to inflict change in okay I want you to stop living life in a spectator position and see what God needs you see if he's trying to get you to coach and chime into something because I think that more than ever we have a very polar culture and that we either have a whole bunch of people on one side going listen it's none of my business I'm on my business I'm on my business for a living and I get interest in minding my business okay great and that's how that's gonna go and then you have the people who mind too much of their business and it's like uh you do know you don't get no paycheck from this right like I just want you to okay just want to make sure you were clear uh and that's how that goes but I think that if we are walking around with the intent of God if you show it to me and not just have it where I'm looking at something where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm compassionate about something. But show me the things and allow me to connect to those things where you're like, <clears throat> I placed you there uh, divinely because I made that appointment so that you can appoint and inflict some change. Like that is how I am currently operating in this season of my life. And so on more than one occasion, various people have come and just confided in me and just let me know that in their particular workplace, they are burnt out. Either it's the long hours, it's the job description, it's E, all the above, whatever it is, it's starting not to be as fun or as whatever, fill in the blank, as it used to be. 
And so the first few times I'm like, hmm, you know, sorry to hear that because you already know that I'm not in these streets gossiping because I'm somebody's grandbaby. Those people are somebody's grandbabies and I'm not going to get in trouble on Judgment Day talking about somebody else's grandbaby. She's not doing it. So I give a lot of hmm, head nod and, you know, just I'm a studio audience to so whatever you say and I'm not about to chime in. I'm not on the panel. That, that's just how I feel. And so listening to that, it's like, hmm, but if I'm honest with you, but better than that, honest with myself that's not what God put me there for in the body of Christ I'm not an ear I'm the mouth I'm an advocate I'm, if you want to go deeper I'm 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 the feet because I'm going to cause some action to be put behind the words that is getting ready to be said you understand what I'm saying and so I started to get that little holy spirit nudge like you see in the pattern I'm like yeah such and such came to me and said da 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 and again, I can tell the difference between an ER, you know, help me find my tail. And then someone just really being like, man, I need a, I need a mental health day. Like, I just need a break. I just, what's going on? It's like, it's work. It's the hours and I'm, I'm tired. And you know how you can feel when someone is talking? Like, I don't want you to miss that. When you can feel the essence of what someone is saying, I would like to go ahead and just believe and make a spiritual educated guess that God is connecting you to that sentence. That if you do not just sway on your emotions, if you're one of the people that you cry when you saw The Lion King and you cry when you see commercials and, okay, you just may be a little bit sensitive, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to go ahead and attend every invite that's given to you, right? But it's something different when you feel something and you take a Selah moment to say, God, do you want me to do something in this moment? Because there is a huge difference between a good thing and a God thing. If we attended every good thing, we will burn ourselves out. But there's only so many different things that you can do, and God has to appoint that. I don't ever want to live a life where I feel like I am showing up to somebody else's show. I just, I don't. I understand that God wants me to put my imprint on certain things. I understand that God is like, mm, this is perfect for my child. You know what? Let me go get her real quick. Wake her up. Put this on her heart. Have her call such and such. Have it just me. Whatever he wants to do with me, I believe that he will go ahead and nudge me. But I want to only answer those nudges and not my emotional indicators. My emotions are not my leader, okay? Yeah, I'm not alien out here like follow my leader every time that an emotional deposit happens. And so when people started telling me within a, I want to say a week or two time span, first it started off, let me be honest, it started off with me being observant. I was like, hmm, such and such as, you know, just swag has just like, yeah. You know how you could tell someone's aura and you're like, you okay? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I'm all right. Like, okay, just, everything's cool. I mean, I, it is raining and it does kind of bring a gloom. I ain't going to hold you. Okay, that's fine. But then it's something when God nudges you and he's like, <clears throat> say something. And then you know it's God because when you say something, that person says, that's exactly what I needed. So you're like, mm, okay, I'm out here doing the Lord's work. You understand? I'm spreading the good news like it's good gossip. You understand. Okay. And then you feel real good about yourself and you go on. But it's something about when it starts to accumulate that you're like, God, do you want me to do something bigger on a bigger scale? So when I noticed the whole burnout thing and particularly related to the workplace for this particular group of individuals, I was like, you know what? First, I started thinking about Pharaoh. I'm like, the only, because anytime I think about someone working and it being difficult, I'm like, ugh, Pharaoh. 
Why did Pharaoh make the job harder for the, you know, Israelites? Why did he do that? Why did he make them make brick with no straw? Why did he go ahead and increase the quota and said, you got to make more brick, but I'm going to go ahead and take away some utensils. So he purposely made their job harder. And I was like, why did he do that? And it was because of fear. And I was always able to trace, yeah, he did that because of fear. Yeah, and then when any other king in the Bible did something, it was because he feared either having his kingdom taken or he feared a group of people like Pharaoh. You know, he feared that the Israelites were getting bigger in number. And, bro, they, you know, they got some muscles on them. So they may just go ahead and just uh, be able to body slam me real quick. And I don't really want that. So what's the quickest way to overcome someone that you view as competition is deplete them, zap them, take their energy. And I feel like a lot of that is happening in the leadership in certain work environments. And it angered me. But more than ever, because I was going to get on the phone, we was about to tear Pharaoh a new one. You hear me? I'm talking about tear Pharaoh. I don't care who grandbaby that is. Pharaoh was getting ready to have to wear another pamper the way we was going to give him another anus part. Okay. But then I didn't feel that. I felt like the Holy Spirit was bringing my attention more to the fact of how stirred up I really was. Because I was like, I'm getting ready to go with God. And we're two or more gathered in the midst. It will be done. And whatever is binded in earth, it's going to be binded in the heavens. And whatever is loosed on earth, it's going to be loosed in the heavens. And God is a man and he shall not lie. And I was getting real fired up. And then I felt this nice little tap on my spiritual shoulder. And he was like, I want you to talk about that. I said, you want me to talk about the fact that you get me give me uh spiritual high blood pressure a little bit like I'm really he was like no no um I want you to talk about the fact that if we had more people who felt like that and were more connected second-handedly to someone else's issue that the change that will be made throughout earth would be outstanding I was like oh so you want me to read people's mail he was like yes ma'am I said okay God here we go okay so we're gonna go ahead and do that and but I wanted it to be on a biblical base so I was like, so how can I go ahead and kind of like, what's the biblical principle behind that? And he said, cool, I'm glad you asked. I wrote a book about it. I want you to go to Gal- Galatians. I said, okay, what chapter? He was like six. I said, okay, God, cause you be knowing the book. Um, cause you wrote it or whatever. And he was like, yeah, uh, I want you f- for the Bible thumpers, put it in context, but then I want you to give them the flip version that I gave you. I was like, oh, cause they be in the back of the church, like saying like, that's not, he was like, ex- you already know, but they somebody's grandbaby. So we're not going to do that. So Galatians one, you know, I read from the NLT version. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself verse 2 share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ and that was the part that was just illuminated from the page or from my screen because you know I read from my version app read it again share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ man And that just kind of like did something to me. It just felt like a spiritual exhale because I was, I really started thinking about all the different ways that life would be so much better if we actually did that. But then I just wanted to just in layman's term, just go to the definition of what burden is. So, you know, the people, the good bishop and them over at the new Oxford dictionaries burden when described as a noun. The first definition is a load, typically a heavy one. 
a duty, a misfortune that causes hardship, anxiety, or grief, or nuance. That was the part that I was like, I think that we need to start doing a little bit better. Like, I think of like the greats, right? The ones that you already know they're going to be in heaven because they was doing what they needed to be doing. Not even, matter of fact, let me not put nobody in heaven. But you know that their name going to ring bells forever, ever, forever, ever, forever, ever because of what they did. When I think about Martin Luther King Jr., I said, wow, God, you knew that he had to be born in the time stamp in the time frame that he was born so that he could be adult enough <laughs> when the whole situation was happening with segregation and all of that. And you had to time perfectly his personality, his wiring according to what was happening in his time. Only a Martin Luther King Jr. would be able to say, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. Even in my good shoes, I'm not even going to wear sneakers from this. I'm going to wear the whole pastoral jump from the suit to the boot, however it's going to go. And I'm getting ready to walk. Like, sir, you didn't want to put no, um, no, like, sneakers on or, like, you know, a jumpsuit real quick. Because I knew you was sweating under that trench. And he was like, listen to me. When we getting ready to walk to this Montgomery line, when we getting ready to do these things, no, I'm going to do it because I understand that my people are hurting. And it may not just affect my house per se. And as a matter of fact, I don't even really think that it was affecting his house as much. I want to go ahead and just put that out there because he already had a crowd. He was a pastor, right? He already had a a, a kind of control or power, if you want to say, because as a pastor, you can go ahead and encourage your people. He could have kept it in his four walls of the church and was like, listen, as long as I can encourage my people to keep going and to keep the faith and we can keep praying to God and doing whatever it is that we need to do in the spiritual realm, whether it's fasting and praying or all eat all the above, as long as I can go ahead and just do that in my little corner, I'm cool. The rest of the African-Americans, they're going to have to figure it out. But the fact that he bared the burden and was like, no, I'm going to make this thing make national headlines. Okay, great. Even with the death threats that were coming in, even with the targets on his home, on his family, uh, he had children. Like there was a lot at stake for why are you going the extra mile to make sure that everybody else's life is turned around, that you don't even know if what you're doing is actually going to cause a turnaround. But it's something about someone's wiring when they are in a particular predicament that they say, you know what, I could probably make this easier just for myself I could probably play this cool and play the, the back row real shyly and kind of get away with that but I feel like God is calling me to the forefront to do something else and whatever comes with that I cannot shut up this spiritual nudge of bearing the burden so I have to go ahead and step out on faith it was faith that that man went ahead and said, nope, I'm getting ready to lock arms with some people and we're going to go ahead and walk. I don't care. Nope, I'm getting ready to start having these speeches and I have a dream and doing all of that. Like, oh, my gosh, you, you, you're not afraid of what's going to happen. Like that same pulpit is in your church, sir. Why you have to do it where it's reaching news lines and headlines? Why are you doing that? Because when you bear the burden, you don't care the cost as long as you know that God is fueling you. You see what I'm saying? Rosa Parks, ma'am, why you just didn't say, you know what, I'm going to follow the rule because the only place that I sit somewhere where I don't like to sit is the bus. So I'm cool with just, but you were just like, no, bruh, you know what, Um, I'm going to be sick and tired for everybody that looks like me for the last time. Get up, no, 
get up now get up I said now and so she played that game you know you know that was the first time I'm sure somebody rolled their eyes and looked outside the window like mm. oh because I didn't hear you like Rosa Parks did the first period like she's not getting up period sir that's what she said you can call who you want but I but I tell you what she won't be getting up okay and when she do get up it's gonna ring bells so that nobody else has to get up when they don't want to why would you go the extra mile to go ahead? And again, we can probably guesstimate. Maybe her feet was hurting. You don't know that what that bunion and big toe mixture was doing. You don't know. But what you do know is that she said for the last time, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to do something different. But you, you want to know something that's kind of slick that they don't really teach you, teach you. That's not the first time that she refused to get up. A matter of fact, pause. That's not the first time that someone refused to get up someone else and I didn't do the research on this to be able to say it in this conversation this is just holy spirit bread so go ahead and have that conversation between you and God but someone else was arrested for not getting up I don't know what it was about Rosa Park oh I see what you're doing holy spirit let me tie that together pitch go ahead mm -hmm. let's do it again boop, boop. someone else was arrested for not getting up but it didn't spark change Rosa Parks refused to get up and it sparked change. That is the difference between doing something out of your own emotion and your own effort versus Rosa Parks doing something and it was assigned and aligned by God. Imagine being on the other side of seeing Rosa Parks do headlines and making a change and she's in the history books and you like, bruh, I just did that six months ago. No, my big toe was hurting after work and I didn't get up. And why she, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. I will be salty. Okay. And they would have to put my name in parentheses every time you mention Rosa Parks. Excuse me. Okay. Um, my great granddaddy did the same thing. Like I, I would have had to just because I felt like it was unfair. But that's the difference. When the effort is not God ordained, it's empty. And that's a lesson right there. I see what you did, Holy Spirit. That was kind of dope. I ain't going to hold you. But do we have enough in us to bear the, each other's burdens? Or are we the people that we look at and we like, mm, mm, that ain't, listen, that is not my issue. Because I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. When I was hearing these individuals say things to me and confide in me and let me know about the burnout, either verbally or I can just see it on them, the human brain started to do, why are you, why are you getting ready to mind somebody else's business? That don't have nothing to do with you. You're not burned out. But the way that I'm wired, I'm like, yeah, but I, I, I can't help but to try to figure out, you know, go to God, see what needs to be done, to see what difference can be made. And that causes for you to be literally so aligned with God that you're like, you have to realize the perfect timing of the win. And so, and not, W-H-E-N is what I'm saying because I don't want my New York accent to ruin the message. But I thought about what the Holy Spirit brought to my attention was Moses's father-in-law. And I feel like this is such a great uh, story and lesson that it really doesn't get the notoriety that it needs. And it's, it's so much fruit that can be taken from this that I was just like, I need to share it with you. So the beginning of Exodus 8 18 
starts off with letting us know that Jethro was going to visit Moses. And so they were sending literally modern day or olden day tech messages. Like, listen, I'm getting ready to come to your house. And then he would send a message and it would take however long. And then Moses was like, cool, we will be expecting you. And so, okay. And I'm bringing company. And he was like, okay, cool. And so they kept doing that back and forth, back and forth. You read your Bible. Okay. Just go ahead and read your Bible. But when it gets to verse 13, so Exodus 18, verse 13, that's when it starts getting to the nectar. So this is when Jethro gave wise advice to Moses. And so listen, listen to this real quick. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning to evening. Pause. So Moses was like the OG judge, right? When people had to complain and, you know, what, I just feel like this is unfair, whatever. They had to go to Moses to go ahead and get that resolved in whatever the way. So Moses was the leader of the Israelites and also the judge. Like he was, he had 50 million jobs, okay? And it was just, I can just... I'm getting burned out, but just reading this, I ain't going to hold you. Just woof. But let's go back to 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning to evening. 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? 15. Valid question. Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. 17. This is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, 18, you are going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. 19, now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representatives before God, bringing their disputes to him. 20, Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them to con- how to conduct themselves. 21. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,150 and 10. 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, make the task, making the task easier for you. 23. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all the people will go home in peace. 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. 25, he chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 100, I'm sorry, 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. 26, these people were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. 27, soon after this, Moses said, Goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his homeland. Listen, do you, do you see how he just walked out exactly what we were saying? He literally said, 
Mm. Moses don't look right in the face. Like he's not like walking on sunshine. Like he's not doing that like how he used to do that. So what happened? And then he realized like, oh, because you're doing that. Like you don't got no hours to your job. It's not cut off. It's from morning to evening, which is the modern day of you taking your computer home with you. You taking that work cell phone home with you. Like you having them call you on your days off. You having them call you after hours. Like I don't understand. Like when does your job begin and end? Oh, it's from morning until evening, like every day, 24 hours, like all the time. That sounds like God. I digress. That's fine. And then to be able to acknowledge it because it's something about being aligned with being an advocate, with being someone that really wants to see other people do better, that no one really, if you're paying attention, no one really has to come to you and say, bro, I am tired. I'm burnt out. It's a lot. Moses never went to his father-in-law. He never said, Jeff, that uh, I'm tired. Like, can you real quick just let me take this like 20 minute nap right I I will be he did nothing that's been documented in this passage that says he informed that he was being burnt out it took wisdom observation and a nudge from the Holy Spirit to say what are you really accomplishing here like why you got these people around you all day like I don't understand and so Moses thought that he was doing something good. He was like, oh, let me tell you, because I got God's decrees, right? And so I get the information from God. So I'm like a little man, like low-key. I get the information from God. I digest it. I go ahead and I give it to the people. And then I do, oh, you're doing the job of 50 men. So let, let me go ahead and teach you that a good leader knows how to delegate. Okay, like that's why moms are burnt out because you washing and you drying and you doing. No, no, no. we need to start going ahead and teaching the children. Okay, so when it gets this much, I'm going to let me walk you through on how to go ahead and uh, wash a load. I will still buy the detergent. This is how much detergent you will be having. But I'm going to show you how to literally do exactly what I would have been doing for you. And this is how a good leader is, whether it's in management, whether you are a manager over a home, whatever it is, you should not be the octopus of the location you should literally be showing let me show you how to do it the way that I would do it so that there is no need for me to continue to do that because it's going to lead to burnout Moses's father-in-law shouts out to you Jethro okay because he was like let me tell you how to go ahead and do this real quick you need to go ahead and call some of your good good buddies but you got to make sure they have a good heart because if they have the kind of greed that a uh, Ju- uh, Judas had yeah they're going to go ahead and kind of favor with some people or whatever if they take a bribe but go ahead and get you some people let them people go ahead and, and get the smaller matters you still get the bigger matters but you only are available sir for the bigger matters okay great but those people need to be available for all the small ones and because you broke it down into groups being available all the time for groups of people is way different from being available to all the people from morning to evening the advice of that could only come from someone with wisdom compassion and literally appointed by God Like literally God allowed Jethro to come to visit Moses at the right time because who knows how much longer Moses could have gone ahead and did that. And maybe that's the same thing that's happened in your life. Maybe you're seeing someone who is truly struggling with their children and you like, "Mm, 
Yeah, I understand. I've been there and I've done that. With that teething stage, is something critical. I ain't gonna hold you like that partying stage. I do understand. It's something. Yeah, listen, it gets real. And here you are, just going ahead, and you are relating to someone through a glass window. When God is like, no, I need you to come behind your safety, and I need you to go into the store and help out. Not only because you've been there, but because maybe you lending that extra ear, that extra hand, that extra words of affirmation will give a boost and a morale that that per- it will ripple effect through that person's life and they probably will never feel that way again if you just went ahead and extended your advice your expertise whatever it is but too many of us know that the passage says the the cliche is you know it takes a village but none of us are willing to be the village why is that why why are we in the workplace afraid to give someone the knowledge that we have and, and most people have that crab in a barrel type of mentality because you don't want somebody to know what you know why is that maybe they may not necessarily take your place maybe they'll take that information and be awesome somewhere else and will always be able to relay back to you that you were the one that sparked the change that not until they spoke to you did you make them spark the fire to want to go back to school to want to go back to that particular job that they love so much to change their career path you don't know what you could spark because you're just worrying about your own flame you see what i'm saying maybe you see somebody being mistreated in a relationship and you like nope because when I tried to help somebody out in the past, mm-mm, because no, because I just mind my business because you know what? You'll help somebody and then they'll go back home and they'll make you look stupid or whatever the case may be. But again, that is the difference between you going ahead and giving your own little flair to the situation and allowing God to go ahead and purposely and spiritually appoint the divine appointment. It, it is something because that's the only thing that really sparks the true change. You speaking on deaf ears mean that you spoke without power and God is the fuel. So why would you want to go ahead and extend a hand knowing that it's not going to be appreciated? Or that person just looks at you like, oh, okay, so the next time I'm in, a, I'm in a bind, I can come to you for money. Like, no, don't do anything in vain. Do everything operating in the spiritual vein where you're like, God, I'm not going to do it unless I feel that it's sparked by you. Because if not, me trying to help, is, I'm going to, it's going to hinder me later. And we've all been there and we all have felt that. But are you seeing someone at work? Or do you know someone at their particular job that they're calling you and they're letting you know, like, man, this is too much. I want us and I want to challenge all of us to take the Jethro approach. To literally go ahead and not just be the ear where you're like, man. I hear you. That's serious. Yeah, I know. You still having that ailment? Ooh, the doctor said what? Well, you know, I'll be praying for you. Yeah, I know, because when I was in school, it was hard too. And like, no, we need to, we don't need any extra ears in the body of Christ. We have enough of those. What we need is people who are appointed to spark change. Can you look at someone's situation go to prayer on it or even listen to that nudge that you like god i need to confirm it's you first and then give them the outline that they can't see moses couldn't see man there's a better way to do this and maybe reading it you like well he did that to himself then nobody tell him to be up there all morning and evening like if he's tired he need to go ahead but when that's all you know you don't know any better and you don't do any better 
Point out to me before Moses somebody who did what Moses did. Someone who literally challenged a Pharaoh. Someone who had the Red Sea cross for him. Someone who led millions of Israelites. I mean, point out somebody else who did what Moses did where he could have went ahead and copied and pasted their blueprint. No, oftentimes you are burned out because you are the first one in your bloodline, the first one in your friendship circle, the first one in your family, however that works, to do a thing. And sometimes it takes some God-appointed people to show you you need to tweak that. You're in the right vein, but you're, in the, you're working the wrong muscle. You see what I'm saying? And when you massage a muscle, you get more out of it. When you strain the muscle, you, you, you put the body down. And we need the body to carry out what God wants you to do. So I believe that when we're talking that the Holy Spirit puts on you a certain person, a certain thing that you should be doing, or he's went ahead, he went ahead and switched over your lens so that now when you walk out of this spiritual lens crafters, you will never see life again. And I want you to be like a guard dog in the spiritual realm where you're like, do I need, do I need to buy him though? Okay. Do I need to, do I need to go ahead and approach that? Like I need you, you know how when dogs are getting ready to start fetching, they like, all right, I'm anticipating you getting ready to throw this. I need you to be that in the spiritual vein so that if God says okay listen it may be common sense to you it may be obvious to you but that person's not seeing how to do a thing so I need you to tweak it I need you to add your own flair on it but not without my fuel we need to learn how to bear the burden the proper way not I sit on the phone and I cry with you all night. Not you can come over here for the night. Not these temporary band-aids, but bearing the burden that I'm going to watch what you're doing and I'm going to hear you speaking even when your mouth is not moving. To go past Moses and the sea, bro, you're burnt out, took a special eye. It took a special alignment. It took a special connection to say, I'm going to give you the advice that you didn't even know you needed. But first, before I move on this, give me some information on why you're doing this and you may just have to go back to exodus 18 and really look at that blue plan and see how jeffro did that like buddy just didn't say why are you doing this you need to go ahead and do a b and c he waited until moses explained to him oh i do this because i get the degrees from god i didn't go ahead and do this and da 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 and so as he's talking jethro's working out a game plan like uh-huh you, okay all right, all right all right so this is the game plan real quick this is what you need to do and it was just like obvious but even in moses saying it it still didn't compute it still wasn't a eureka moment it took for Jethro to say glad you said that this is what I suggest you do and you know what the beauty of it was that Jethro didn't push like I'm telling you this is what you should do he pushed this is what you should do and you can go ahead and, and vouch and confirm it with God on it mm. I'm telling you that story right there don't get enough shine I ain't gonna hold you Jethro should get a little bit more shine than what he got Okay, because he did his good, good work there. So did you get the challenge that I needed from you? That you need to take the Jethro effect? Moses' father-in-law? That we need to go ahead and start seeing how we can make the lives of other people better? Okay, and not just be the ear and not just finance the the, the, the little uh, situation that they had. That you, you understand what I'm trying to say? I feel like you got it, though. And I feel like you got what you needed. Uh... So, you know what these conversations are? Mm -hmm. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you other than your favorite homegirl because who is going to waste, <clears throat> I'm sorry, share her mobile to mobile with you so that you can get these gems from her being upset and having her deodorant almost waste, you know, it, it's fine. But who else is going to do that? 
you know, with a with a good heart, okay? Because I could have came on here and be like, guess what? Such and such. But we don't do that with other people's grandbabies, you understand? Because that's how we roll. You get it? But um, I'm going to go ahead and finish the rest of this laundry. Uh, I pray that I didn't forget this uh, fabric softness cycle because I like to go ahead and add the fabric softener. So let me go ahead and see how far into this that this washer is. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. And we'll talk later. Okay? All right. Later. <laughs>